Today here on the Infinite Energy Podcast, we're covering the energy of competition. Oh, I could definitely say that better. Today on the Infinite Energy Podcast, we are covering the topic of competition. Okay, okay. Today on the Infinite Energy Podcast, we are covering the energy of competition. If you didn't pick it up, we are competing for the energy of competition. Best intro. We hope that this podcast will be fun for you. It is a great topic. Stay tuned. We're sisters Kay and Shai, and we're the hosts of the Infinite Energy Podcast. We believe that everyone has the power to live a more energized, optimistic, and fulfilling life. In every episode, we share tips and techniques for harnessing your own power and creating the life you deserve. Get ready to ignite and discover the limitless power of Infinite Infinite Energy. The energy of competition is what we're going over today in the Infinite Energy podcast. And what qualifies Shyla and I uniquely to discuss this particular topic is the fact that we are siblings. And there is such an infamous competition and competitive environment among siblings. It even has its own name, sibling rivalry. Right. It gets its own classification. That's how competitive siblings tend to be. And since I am currently raising three siblings in a perfectly uh, aged area to be competing with one another, I can say that sibling rivalry rivalry is absolutely a thing. Now, being seven years apart when we were kids, the rivalry was less rivalry and more just contentment towards each other. Um, But as we've gotten older, the competition has at times been unhealthy, uh, at times been healthy, but also always been present. Sometimes we laugh at it. Sometimes it's serious, but it is definitely something that's there. And I think it's a current most of us can relate to is this energy of competition. Well, I think what Shyla and I realized was what is expressed within the Latin root of this word. And we're going to get there. But before we do, you know what it's time for. We got our definition of the day. Shy, spit us that definition. Oh, I would love to. So today we are talking about the energy of competition, which is referring to the intense motivation that drives individuals or organizations that they feel when competing with others in a particular arena. So we're really talking about that energy of competing, right? That being in the arena things are on the line. There is a score. There is a prize, right? That verb of compete to strive consciously or unconsciously for an objective such as position, profit, or prize, or to be in a state of rivalry. So as a verb, that's what compete means. But this competition is something that we talk about a lot in modern day. And Kay, I hope you'll take us back to those ancient times you just referred to with that Latin definition, because when we heard this, it changed our whole understanding of the energy of competition. So let's go ahead and reverse that clock (laughs) all the way back to when Latin was the dominant form of communication on this planet. Now, the word compete comes from the Latin word competere, which means come together. But later in Latin, it developed to the sense to strive or conspire together, which was the basis for the English term. Now, what I love about this definition is that when we look at competition, Many of us get lost thinking that competition means comparison, but those two things are different. Competition is about conspiring together to go further than anyone has thought possible before, to push you beyond your limits and to hopefully do the, uh, the same for the others who are also courageous enough to step into the arena. 
This reframe is so beautiful. I love it. I love that this is the Latin origin of the word competition and compete because truly it's that idea of iron sharpens iron, right? If you were with us last week, we talked about the energy of pressure. It's very similar, right? There's a lot of pressure when we're in competitive situations, right? Where we're being ranked against others, where there is some kind of final outcome. Now that's that traditional understanding of competition, right? In fact, I know my first association and anchor with the word competition actually comes from cheer because competition is an event, right? It's like a thing that happens. Like you work towards competition, you build a routine for competition, right? Today's competition day. So this is something that, you know, you get conditioned into this competition and competing means that you're going to get ranked, that you're going to get paired, that there's going to be winners and that there's going to be losers. And I think that's really a framework many of us take towards that natural natural competitive spirit and drive that comes forward in us is that it means there has to be winners and losers. But when we realize that the origin is about conspiring together, about winning together, about iron sharpening iron, about seeing you do your best, pushing me to do my best, that's the spirit of competition and competitiveness that it can be absolutely fueling and positive and amazing and something that we hope you can find more of the energy in your life. You might say, well, ladies, there are clear winners and losers. Look, the Olympics has three medals. One of them is gold, one is silver, one is bronze. And then the other dozens of computers get nothing, right? So there is this clear delineation between what's winning and what's losing. But let's take this into into the definition, that Latin root that conspire together. I want to take you back to Usain Bolt's final uh, round at the Olympics. I can't tell you exactly who he was up against, but it was a really dark rivalry. And it was very exciting. The person who he was up against was younger, was an up and comer. And the person he was up against was determined to beat Usain Bolt. He wanted so bad to get into that arena and knock Usain off of the gold medal podium that he had held for a record-breaking number of Olympics and races. Now, this was televised. This was nationalized. And you might be thinking, well, that's unhealthy competition. But consider this. Usain Bolt found another level of his training. He was recovering from injury. People were wondering if he would ever come back to the sport again in the same way that he had. He ran a dismal race before the Olympics and everyone said, he's done, he's done. But this young up and comer on Usain's heels made Usain find another way of training that actually ended up now becoming a standard for runners going forward. And it created one of the other best runners of all time who could then come forward and succeed in further gold medal Olympics. Now you might say, well, Usain Bolt won the gold medal. He did, by the way, he won. And the other guy won silver. Well, Usain won won the gold, which means that other guy lost. No, they conspired together to raise the bar of excellence for the entire sport this reframe can be really helpful because it doesn't put those who didn't make it onto the podium into this category called losers. What it does is it pulls everyone together in one aim of raising that bar of performance or excellence. Now, Joseph McClendon uh, often tells us at the Neuroencoding Institute that we want to compare ourselves to others in order to have inspiration. We want to compare ourselves to our past self in order to measure our progress. Now, it's very similar in that energy of competition that lives inside of us, right? Many of us, that natural competitive spirit, right? We all have this desire to succeed, to do well, to be applauded for doing a good 
good job, for being recognized, right? We, we have that innate desire to succeed. And so if we apply this then to that same uh, thing that Joseph brought forward, we see that it, uh, it is the same because many of us try to compete against others. And that's the natural way for us to give that energy, right? Compete against others. But when we start competing against our past selves, this is a way that we can start to internalize that, that competitiveness that's healthy for us and that allows others to then see us as an example and conspire together to rise the level for everyone. And so just redirecting that rather than competing against others, competing against yourself, and I often think about, you know, competing against myself in terms of kind of a daily score at the end. Did I do my best today in every way? Now, the answer is always no, because there's room for improvement, right? But even just asking myself, that allows that redirection of that competitive energy away from comparing and competing against others to comparing and competing against my past self or my current self as of the day. That can be much more empowering because you're not allowing the comparison to potentially steal your your joy. I don't remember who said it, but there is a very popular quote that says comparison is the death of all joy. And when we allow comparison to turn into competition because we're trying to be better than someone else, we're allowing someone else's status or uh, or achievements dictate our thoughts and emotions. Now, I don't know about you, but I am not a big fan of giving my power or my control away. Period. I don't like doing that. And sometimes we do it unconsciously. Comparison that leads to unhealthy competition can be one of the fastest paths to doing just that. Now, in the rest of today's episode, we're going to talk about where you experience competition, how it can get unhealthy, how it can be healthy for you, and what you can do to harness the energy of competition in order to drive your performance. But before we get to there, I just want to bring up really quick this idea of competition being that innate biological place, right? Like from a survival perspective, we want to compete with others because in the past and in the animal kingdom, before we had all this cushy advancement technology around us, right? Like we were competing against others. The slowest person literally was the one who ended up being the prey. And so this it is an innate biological factor. And so there's nothing wrong with it. It's just that conscious awareness that you were just mentioning, Kay, that I love. And so being able to understand that this is an innate piece of all of us helps us better utilize it for our growth. So stay tuned for the rest of the episode while we dive in more to the energy of competition. One of our proudest business accomplishments is what we've been able to do with Squeeze In Franchising. The Squeeze In is a breakfast lunch restaurant featuring the best omelets on the planet, and it's been around for almost 50 years. And now you can have a Squeeze In in your community. We've seen how this business transformed our families, and now we are so excited to offer this to families around the country to see how this little restaurant might change their family and their community. If you're wondering how to set up your adult children for legacy and success through a small business, then the Squeeze In is an option we urge you to consider. Come find out more about Squeeze In franchising at squeezein.com. We're talking leadership this week, and one of the organizations we are so proud to be at the helm of is the Neuroencoding Institute. We got to co-found the Neuroencoding Institute alongside Dr. Joseph McClendon III, amazing, world-renowned neuropsychologist and incredible mentor and teacher. If you're at all interested in learning more about what the Neuroencoding Institute does and what it can do for you, please visit neuroencoding.com. 
You're enjoying this episode on Angel Phoenix Productions Podcast Network. To explore a complete lineup of quality programs and media production services, head on over to angelphoenix.com or like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Angel Phoenix Productions. Shai, you ended us out talking about how uh, competition is part of our survival instinct. And I just want to expand on that a little bit here because competition is everywhere in nature. I mean, think about the incredible discovery that Charles Darwin came across on the Galapagos Islands that eventually led to uh, this idea of the survival of the fittest, right? That in generationally speaking, there's literally competition happening from a gene pool perspective as to what genes get prioritized and what don't as a result of how they handle the challenges and whether they were successful or not. If we look at tribes of gorillas or monkeys, there's competition for the social rank and order that happens within the tribes. We think about uh, male uh, males of all kinds of animals competing against each other for a female's attention when it comes to the survival instincts. And so this is not unique to humans. This is part of the natural order of the world and is something that is seen everywhere. In fact, it's so part of the natural order of the world, that it's what our current economic system is based off of, right? Capitalism is all about competition. Businesses competing, the best ones win, the most competitive businesses make it and the most profitable businesses make it. So even all of our our societies leading up to developing the economic system of capitalism were not competitive, right? I mean, they were, but in terms of kingdoms warring against each other. So still competitive, but not for the everyday human. Now, capitalism says everyone competes in the free market and the best ones win. And so we see this demonstrated everywhere. It's no wonder that we feel this pressure of competition and this competitiveness being stoked around every corner. Well, let's not villainize competition, right? Because it wouldn't be here if it didn't serve a purpose. But there are differences between healthy competition and unhealthy competition. And we're going to go ahead and just take a quick minute to unpack what this can look like. Maybe if the competition in your life is going from the healthy place to the unhealthy. When we think about healthy competition, we think about, first of all, from that internal sense, are you okay with losing? (laughs) If you're not, you need to start there, right? Because you've got some issues that are going to hit you every time you get into the arena of daily life. So that's something that you'll want to work on. Okay. Okay. But losing takes grit. I don't want you to pass beyond this because grit and grace being willing to lose is a really cute way of saying something that is really difficult and hard and that we're programmed to not want. I know this because I have a five-year-old. She just turned five. So she was four when she said this to me, but we were playing games and she wasn't winning the games. She goes, well, mommy, I don't want to play anymore. And I said, well, why? And she goes, because I'm not winning. Isn't that interesting? Anyone who is a parent and is raising kids has seen their kids go through this. When they are losing, they're mad. They want to quit. They don't want to be part of the game, right? This is that is that internal piece built in, right? So we have to get good at that means building that muscle, which means losing a lot, unfortunately, and getting good at it. But hopefully you are a character that is working on crafting yourself with intention and growth. We know that because you wouldn't be here if you weren't. And so hopefully when you lose at Uno, you've got 
shot that down. You're good with losing. In fact, I was playing a round of Uno with my daughter this morning and I was drawing cards even though I could have played because I wanted the game to extend, right? And I do like her to win, but I just didn't want it to end that early. And so getting to that place, but not all competitions are as easy to lose at as a game of Uno with your nine-year-old. Many of them, we have a lot of invested feelings. And so when we lose, that can be really hard. But, a, but besides getting right with losing, which is the whole it's subject of itself, <laughs> we want to make sure that when we are in an arena of competing, that a few things are there. First of all, that the rules are fair, that the rules are stated and understood, and that there's respect for both sides, not only for the rules, but for each other. And then finally, that sense of collaboration. Even when we see two professional sporting teams coming together, they know that they're collaborating for the benefit of the audience and for the benefit of the teams and the owners and the players and the league at large. So there is that, that we need this idea of shared rules and understanding, respect for each other in the process and the audience and the, and the game. And then that sense of collaboration. We're here to create an experience together or do something together, even though there will be a named winner or loser, still the experience at large is considered. You know, a, a healthy competition display that I just adored seeing was in the Tokyo Olympics and the pole vaulting competition. Um, a world record was actually set in pole vaulting. It was beautiful. But the gentleman pole vaults and then his competition pole vaults and they have the same score. And OK, great. So they move it higher. And the, the first place guy goes and he pole vaults. And then the second place guy goes, he pole vaults and they both score the same score. And so they go at it a third time. First guy pole vaults, second guy pole vaults. What do you know it? They come again with the same score. Ultimately, they went through five rounds of competition going through this and achieving each time the same score. Now, the moment that I love the most about this is that the two of them are discussing about what it would look like and, and what does this mean and, and should we forfeit right now? And then they looked at the organizer and they did something that's never been done before because the question had never been asked before in the Olympic territory. They said to the organizer, can we share the gold? And the organizer said, yes. So both countries got to take home the gold because they tied, because no one could beat each other in this pole vaulting competition. But talk about a healthy spirit of coming together, of collaborating together, of respecting each other, of creating an environment of fairness. And they couldn't beat each other. They said, can we share it? And historically created something brand new, which is a gold medal tie for the Olympics. Now, we love this example. I love that example so, so much. It's, right? it's a great video. It's a feel-good story, right? We love that. Unfortunately, there's lots of non-feel-good stories when it comes to competition. Probably and, more non-feel-good stories. Yeah, and historically speaking, it has been littered with them, right? When we think about unhealthy competition, we think about it when the stakes aren't even, when the rules aren't understood, when there's unfairness abound, when there's hostility involved, and when there's ego-driven decisions being made. Now, all of those sound like a minefield of disaster and they're, uh, they, they are the realms and the arena of unhealthy competition. And as Kay mentioned, unfortunately, they come up more often than we might like. Now, the, okay, we've got an example of unhealthy competition and this might rub some of you the wrong way. So just be ready, warned. 
consider yourself warned. Trigger warning. You may have heard of the name Andrew Carnegie, a celebrated industrialist in our history. If you've never heard of Andrew Carnegie, then you won't be mad because you probably don't have a preformed opinion of him. But many think of him as this uh, uh, railroad industrial guy. He really helped to establish the railroads in our our country and was a main driver at the front of the industrial revolution. Andrew Carnegie is also the reason that the U.S. has anti-monopoly laws, that the U.S. has laws against uh, uh, quelling labor unions, that the U.S. has laws against unfair uh, workers and and unfair compensation to your workers. In fact, many of the labor laws that we have in place today are because of the unfair competitive practices that got brought about by Andrew Carnegie. He was extremely ego driven and would perform hostile takeovers on smaller railroad companies in order to create the Union Pacific Railroad. He was very unfair in his dealings. He would uh, pay minimum wages to people and expect them to to work ridiculous hours. I mean, like up to 22 hour shifts. And he would say to people who would complain, well, I can get on without with only two hours of sleep. Can't you? Right. So talk about unfair, hostile and ego driven. It, it can create major advancements. And technically, I guess Andrew Carnegie won because he created the Union Pacific Railroad and, and was the monopoly guy. And, you know, he's still has some of the, the most wealth is, is in his family's name. So I guess he won, but was it at maybe the price of the spirit of what competition's meant to be, which is that conspiring together? Such an excellent, excellent example of unhealthy competition, right? He was the game of capitalism. He absolutely won, right? That is the, what we just talked about, right? Amass profits and wealth, grow your your business empire. That's what Carnegie did, but he did it in an unhealthy way that created a lot of strife and hurt for others. And I would imagine that he wasn't a very happy individual on the inside either because that sense of competitiveness that poisoned over decades with those kinds of actions can't be an a, a fun internal experience. But those are my own judgments and, and and I'm not here to say yay or nay on those, but the the example is so prudent of what unhealthy competition can look like, right? Or we think about, right, like the classic example of the gladiators, right? Like they have no chance against the the, the creatures and the beasts that they're up against. So the, the, these kinds of ideas of unhealthy competition where people are put into circumstances that aren't right, right? Or, or refugees that are competing for space on a boat or to come over a border to for life change chances are for their children. There's real unhealthy competition abound, but we wouldn't be on this show if we weren't talking about the positive sides of it. So it's it's important to recognize that competition often turns unhealthy and maybe not in that grand sense either, right? It's unhealthy when you're competing in that way against others continuously, or you feel like you have to compete at everything, right? Like not everything's a competition. That's having twins. Ooh, let me tell you, <laughs> I don't know how many times I've said not everything is a competition to those two. So they're like, talk about an example of that innate drive to compete being demonstrated through the kids and then having to say it over and over like it's running to the car. It's not a competition. Brushing your teeth is not a competition. Putting on your clothes faster isn't a competition, right? So that that drive is there and it's so interesting to observe. But as we move into our final segment here, really thinking about this energy of competition and how you can ignite it in your life so that it can help you do all the things that you want. Do you find yourself losing control of your scroll on social media? If you do, then you want to stay tuned to join the Simply Social Club with Kay and I. We've got an 
awesome challenge for you where you have the opportunity to detox from social media for 48 hours, seven days, 14, or even 31 days right along Shyla and I. So go to kandshy.com slash simply social and find out a little bit more and hopefully you'll take a pledge alongside us. We'll see you in 2023. See you in the club. You're enjoying this episode on Angel Phoenix Productions Podcast Network. To explore a complete lineup of quality programs and media production services, head on over to angelphoenix.com or like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Angel Phoenix Productions. The energy of competition here on the Infinite Energy Podcast. Hey, while I have you, if you're enjoying what we're doing here today, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Be sure to leave us a review. Your reviews really help us to get seen by more people who might benefit from this material. So if you would be so kind as to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm going to lovingly, respectfully ask that you leave YouTube and go leave us a review when this episode is done. We are competing against many other podcasts and episodes and shows. And so we sure would love the support and help. And we sure would also love to share with you some of the signs that competition is getting unhealthy for you. And when it's time for you to say, this is toxic and I need to make a change. These are more here to be maybe alarm bells for you. And the interesting thing about toxicity for competition is that it doesn't necessarily always only happen when you're in the ring on the court or in the field. Sometimes the toxicity around competition happens inside our inner circle, inside our own hearts and minds when we are comparing ourselves to others or getting into that zone where we maybe think we are competing against somebody, but they don't have that same understanding of us. So when we're look, when we see hostility or aggression in ourselves or in others around us, that's one of those whoop 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 right warning signs for us that things are getting a little bit toxic in this competitive environment. When we start to witness unfairness or when we're willing to cheat, that's when we have to realize that we're willing to compromise our values on the means in order to get the ends, and that's toxic for you. That's not going to end well for anyone, and so that's a good warning sign for you if you're willing to cheat. You see others cheating or people on your team are cheating or you see unfairness starting to happen. Things are not in a good place in that competitive environment. The next signal is an obsession with winning. And we're not talking about a healthy obsession because there is such a thing. A healthy obsession is when you have a passion and it's driving you. You're fueled by how much you love something. An unhealthy obsession is when you are obsessed with winning to no end. Maybe you're overtraining. Maybe you're pulling all-nighters just to get through your work. Maybe you're not leaning on others or expressing toxic leadership traits as a, as a means of getting things done. Your obsession with winning might be a sign that you are dipping your toes into toxic competitiveness. Dipping indeed, especially when it gets to that obsession where you're willing to compromise again your personal values or character in order to achieve that end, right? Are you going to Carnegie it? Because if you are, that is unhealthy. If you are experiencing negative emotions around this competition, if that pressure has gone to the toxic side of things, that's a good trigger warning sign for you that you are not in a place where you are going to build something positive that you 
you enjoy in the long run. And finally, if you're starting to witness harmful outcomes for yourself or for others, that's when we know it's time to redirect our competitive energy in a way that's more healthy for us and in an environment that is conducive to the growth we seek. Now, we witnessed um, a very unhealthy level of competition um, at it- in effect, a singular player this weekend. Shyla and I had the pleasure of taking our kids to the UNR basketball game here. University of Nevada, Reno played UNLV, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, which was a big rivalry, a big deal. UNR, Nevada, Reno lost in overtime by just a couple of points. It was a heartbreaking game. But in the final uh, a bit of the second half of the game, one of the Las Vegas players was given too many fouls and asked to be removed from the game. The ref removed the player from the game. The player responded by yelling at the referee. And then as he was walking off of the court, he turned around. He let out like a guttural scream, like a "Ah!" Hulk ripped off his jersey, like not a joke, ripped it in half open. Hulk ripped off his jersey, screamed again and then stormed off the court. His team ended up winning. The team won, but the player acted like that. Well, and he like he fouled out like it's not uncommon at the end of the game. A couple of players foul out like so to, perhaps it was show. Right. Perhaps this was just, you know, a healthy expression. But it certainly didn't seem like a healthy expression in the arena where everyone's here trying to conspire together. Right. For the last game at the at the home court during a, a, a snowstorm. It was an unforgettable game. Unforgettable. And a lot of fun. But when we think about that sense of competition, let's let's try not to maybe Hulk rip our shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and gutturally scream just because we <laughs> fouled out uh, in a game where that is common to happen, especially as the game goes into overtime. And think about how we can soak and ignite this uh, this idea of competition so that it doesn't turn into that. And we are able to really use it to go in into another level in a way that is positive and overall good for us. So let's talk about cultivating a healthy sense of competition to fuel your growth and to accelerate your improvement in your life. Now, the first thing that you can do for yourself to help foster a sense of healthy competition is to set clear goals and expectations for yourself. Now, this might seem like a yeah, yeah, yeah tip, because if you're on this podcast, you're likely somebody who engages a lot in personal growth and development. But setting clear goals and expectations allows you to understand where you are on your scorecard, right? Not where you are in comparison to society's scorecard, not where you are in comparison to your sister's scorecard, where you are in comparison to your scorecard. But having clear goals and expectations from the outset will allow you to compare you to you, right? It's what's winning. If you don't know, then you've been mindlessly competing in a game where you can't win. Like, don't do that to yourself. What is winning? Like, define it for yourself. That's what a goal and expectation is. It's understanding what your win is. And hopefully, as you think about that, you might realize, well, I know what winning is in terms of like, career or like get the book published or like that. But what is it? How can you expand on that so that it's more dimensional and in alignment with who you are and motivating to you, right? Because we know when we add purpose and weight and gravity and reference to something, it helps motivate us towards those clear expectations. So I want the book published and I want to do it with a sense of integrity while I honor the people around me, while I maintain my relationships, while my character comes out stronger from learning and growth, right? 
right? Like not just what that goal is, but how it uh, you achieve it allows you to define winning in a dimensional way that's not so black and white and that allows you to enjoy the process along the way. I'm so happy you brought that forward, Shai. I think that many of us have a narrow vision of what a goal or an expectation should look like, but adding those dimensions to it really helps us to be more fulfilled. And it allows us to do our second step here, which is to focus on personal improvement. This is you be you, baby. This is are you better today than you were yesterday? In fact, I heard Joseph McClendon III, our dear business partner and friend, ask someone today, are you better today than you were an hour ago? And the person said, yes, because I'm always improving. So think about this, you versus you. When we start to compare outside, when we start to look at other people and say us versus them, not only do we create separation, but we create unhealthy competition and comparison that might lead to the extraction of our joy. All right, next up, we want you to celebrate success and not we want you to, you want you to. You want you to. (laughs) Yeah. It's scientifically proven to help strengthen the neural pathways in your brain that allow you to have resiliency, to have positive mindset, to accomplish your goals and to do so much more, like enjoy your life along the way, which is what you want to do. So celebrate your successes. And when you've defined what winning is, when you have clear goals, when you know what each day day should look like in terms of how you carry yourself, you v you, then you can celebrate those successes. You get to the end of the day and say, yes, I am better than I was an hour ago than I was this morning because I stretched, because I meditated, because I got my workout in, because I drank plenty of water, because I spent meaningful time with my family and I put in time towards that goal that I want to achieve. And so I've won and I want to celebrate that success. I want to pat myself on the back. I want to give a smile, give that moment of recognition. 17 seconds is all it takes for that to sink in. So give yourself 17 seconds. I know you've got it every night to celebrate your success and your wins from the day. And then of course, evaluate where you want to do better in the next day. You know, I'm in training right now for my private pilot's license and a common phrase in uh, in the aerospace section is they say the plane wants to fly. The plane wants to fly. It's built for flying and you can actually feel it right before it lifts off of the runway. When you're in the plane, you can feel it. It starts edging up like it wants to hop off of that runway. It wants to go. Your brain is the same way. It was designed for celebration. Just like the plane wants to fly, your brain wants to celebrate. So give yourself the gift. Next up, this tip is an easy one to say, but a hard one to implement. Emphasize fairness and respect, both for yourself and for other people. Look, if you started on a journey one month ago and you are putting yourself into a competitive league with someone who's been on this journey for 10 years, you are not giving yourself fairness and you are not being respectful to yourself because comparing yourself to someone else who's way further down the journey is only going to make you feel bad about the progress that you have accomplished. Now, ultimately, we know when we stoke a healthy competitive spirit that it enhances our motivation, it enhances our outcomes, it improves our performance, and it gives us a higher quality of life, which means it's really good for us. It's already an energy that's flowing inside of you, which means bringing awareness and intention to it, stoking it and cultivating it, and then directing it towards what you want and using it to accomplish those things can only help you live a better life, which is what we're all about here on the Infinite Energy Podcast. We hope that you have enjoyed today's topic, the energy of competition. We've certainly enjoyed spending this time with you. And we hope you know that this episode is coming at you with so much love from your sisters, Kay and Shai.
This podcast was a production of Angel Phoenix Productions. Explore more episodes of this show or other great shows on the Angel Phoenix Podcast Network by visiting angelphoenix.com. The views expressed in this show do not necessarily represent those of Angel Phoenix Productions or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners.